0: Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. The Lord is a father to you. It is one of the most important teachings for a human being. We talk a lot or you hear me mention a lot how Scripture has to, to, to get down into our soul the way that a coin in those old Coke machines had to get down into the center. You couldn't access that money that, that the Coca-Cola or the, the Pepsi or what the Dr. Pepper is. South of Texas, Dr. Pepper, you know, or Big Red, you know, unless that, that coin went all the way down into the center, and you could hear it. And when it got down to the center, you could access it and get that drink. But if it didn't, you would shake it and shake it and shake it until it got down to the center. And after the gospel, the words of the gospel become something that you believe with all of your heart and something that just galvanizes and changes and radically moves your life. One of the great teachings that you have to get your arms around to really enjoy the benefits of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a a member of His family, is that He is your Father and we are His children. It's that important. Over in the, the letter that Paul writes to, to the Galatians, and I want you to keep your, your Bible open to Psalm 103. Let me just read these words to you. Just listen to them. Don't, don't read them. Just listen to, to what Paul says. In chapter 4, he says, When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. You are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. When you get right down to it, why did Jesus come? Why was Jesus born? Why did He live? Why did He die? The reason? So that we could become the sons of God and that He could become our Father. So that we could call God the Creator of all things, not some impersonal name, but to refer to Him as our Father. That statement should never be commonplace for us. It should always fill us with wonderment. We should be amazed just at the mentioning of the fact that the most powerful, supreme being in the universe is a Father to us in relationship. It should be so electrifying, my brothers and sisters, to know that in Jesus we are children of God. The question is, is it? Are we bored with the Gospel? Are we bored as disciples? In this psalm that uh, that Bob read for us, I want us to notice that there are five things that it means for us to be children of God. The first is, is that we live in covenant with God. We live in covenant. Now, I, that doesn't really do anything for you, does it? We live in covenant. What in the world does that mean? But it is Covenant is one of the words in the text. Look at verse 18. And with those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. Now, one of the things that you hear a lot these days is that everyone is a son of God. Everybody is a son of God. Everybody is a child of God. Is that true? Well, the short answer is yes and no, but mainly no. There are two ways that you can define Father, as you know. One is that you find your literal source of physical life In part from your father. Part of it comes from your mom. Part of it comes from your father. And literally, a source of your physical life comes from a man who is called your father. And so we can speak of all humans in a sense as being sons of of God or children of God by creation. He created us. So there is a sense in which, yes, we are a son of God. You'll remember over in Acts chapter 17 that Paul makes that very point. He says while he's preaching in Athens to the unbelievers, he says, verse 29, therefore, since we are God's offspring. But as you know, and I know, we we all know together, there's more to being a father than just biology. Young man says, you were never a father to me. You were never a father to me. And the dad says, but you're my own flesh and blood. What do you mean I'm not your father? You were never a father to me. He further responds, but you, you, you never loved me. You were never there for me. I can never count on you. You were not a father to me. Maybe you've heard that kind of an exchange. Maybe you've even experienced that kind of exchange in your own relationships Whatever the case, whether it's personal or or it's extra personal in in the sense that we we hear it or see it or or observe it in some other relationship, another father-son relationship, it's sad to us. It's incredibly sad. It's very sad for a reason. The reason, we know that the second definition of fatherhood to be more profound to us than the first. Fatherhood describes the kind of relationship with children that is marked by a certain kind of profound love. It's about an abiding relationship. And while the Bible speaks of humans being the offspring of God in one or two places, the overwhelming majority of the way that the Bible speaks about you and I being the children of God, of being sons of daughter and daughters of God, is in this second way. You are a child by salvation if you have entered into a covenantal relationship with Him. John says that to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You know, it's only when you enter into a certain kind of relationship with God does He become your Father and you become His Son. And you will never have the enormous benefits of being a son of God in this way until you enter into that kind of a covenantal relationship with Him. A covenantal relationship through faith in His Son. Verse 18, it's a covenant. He is not covenantal Father to everyone. But then number two, we live in grace. Because He is our Father, we live... In grace. Look again at the Psalm. Look at verse ten. He does not treat us as our sins what? Deserve. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And then verse twelve. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. We are sinners. We are saints and sinners. We still sin. We do iniquity. We have transgressions. There are acts of rebellion because our faith is not perfect. And in verse 14, we are dust, He says, Which means that at times we're weak and we're pathetic. And yet, because God is a Father, verses 17 and 18, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him. And His righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep His covenant and remember to obey His precepts. That means that God loves you in spite of your flaws and your sins and your shortcomings and rebellion because you are His Son. Now, quite frankly, you know, truth be known, this is one of the most incredibly fundamental things for us to realize in this relationship that we have with God as Father. Now, nearly all of us here have had some kind, maybe all of us have had some kind of a relationship with a boss. When you relate to a boss, it might be a cordial relationship. You know, you might call him sir or doctor or whatever it might be, but when it's just you and him, you may call him by his first name. It might be a cordial relationship that stays positive for a long period of time. It stays positive, though, as long as you're performing. If you do not perform, if you fail, fail again. If you cost the company money, if you lose the company money and prestige and cost the company its integrity... And it's bottom line, then the relationship is over. What is one of the most famous lines that Donald Trump is famous for saying? You are fired. You have to perform. But with a father, it's different. What happens to a father whose son or daughter begins to derail a little bit and get off track? A father doesn't say you're fired. He doesn't say you're, 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 you're out of here. The relationship, if anything, intensifies. The father has his eyes on that child even more. The father's heart is engaged, even more engaged. Why? Because of love. Because of affection. Because of what it means to be in a proper father-son relationship. It's because of love. And that means everything. Now there are two ways to relate to God. If you relate to God as a boss... Then you're always going to feel some instability. You're always going to feel like you're on shaky ground. There's always going to be kind of this this nagging doubt in the back of your head in that relationship because it's based on performance. As long as I'm doing well and as long as I'm not sinning and doing the iniquity, then I'm okay. But then you mess up. But then you mess up. And you begin to wonder am I really saved? If I mess up, which is what all of us do, then you wonder if you're okay. And do I have to work extra hard to try and make it up? But God, this psalm tells us, to His praise is a Father. His love is on you from everlasting to everlasting. It's just so amazing. When Jesus was asked how we should pray to God, He responded with these words, Our Father. Everything God is filtered through that truth. Now that doesn't mean that there are not consequences for for the things that we do, the bad decisions, the bad judgments, the bad actions, the bad ethics, the bad thoughts, the bad affections, the bad... But everything, God, is filtered through the truth that He is our Father. Even the way that we look at our own sin. You think about the President of the United States. What does it take to get through to him? You can have all of the right connections. You can have tremendous power and influence to the nth degree. But then you have to wait for an appointment. You always have to go through the secretary. You always have to go through the secret service. You always have to go through a a, a line, layers of protection and layers of, of, uh, of, of security to be able to get to the President of the United States unless you are the President's child. And then and only then do you have access to your father who is the President. He is the President, but to his children he is dad. They experience everything He is through the fact that He is their Father. Anyone else that tries to run up and grab the President's leg, you know what's going to happen to him. They're going to get shot. But not a son and not a daughter. Could you imagine the First Lady waking the President up at 3 a.m. in the morning and asking him for a glass of water? But what if the president's kid wakes up crying from a nightmare or needs a glass of water? No one gets the attention of the president like his kids. And Jesus has this this profound audacity to say that this is the way that we relate to God and God relates to us. Infinite holiness and infinite power. The supreme value Of the entire universe. With open arms to embrace you even at three in the morning. His love is on you from everlasting to everlasting to everlasting. The third thing is we we live in confidence when there are bad things that happen. We live in confidence even when there are terrible, profoundly bad things that happen in this life. Here are three amazing verses from this psalm. Verse 8. Verse 9, verse 10. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. You know, even though God is your Father, He will still get angry. And the reason that he gets angry is because he loves you. When your child lies to you, as as an earthly father, an earthly mother, as a parent, when your child lies to you, you get angry. Sometimes you get very angry. And I mean, even the, the best parents get really angry about a falsehood. Why? Because he doesn't want the child to be a liar with all of the consequences and the trouble that lying can bring into a kid's life. The kid is under a threat. That child is under a threat and that parent wants to do something about it. At least the best kind of a father or a parent wants to do something about it. And this passage, look carefully, this passage says that God gets angry but does not repay us according to our iniquities. What in the world? Because we are fallen human beings, there are times as parents that we get angry at our kids for our sake. They do something that upsets us, so we punish them, but it's really more for us than it is for them. I don't know if anybody else has experienced it, but I'm guilty of that. They ruined our day, so we're going to ruin theirs. But this psalm says that God never does that. The eternal punishment we deserve for our sins has fallen into the heart of someone else. When bad things happen as consequences for our iniquity, it is out of love and not retribution. It's never payback. He is working all things for good. Remember that old slave trader that became a minister, John Newton? He wrote to a woman who was suffering these things, these words. Everything is necessary that God sends. Nothing can be necessary that He withholds. End of quote. God is your Father and the bad things are not happening to you, and the bad things are happening to you, not because He is abusive with you, but to benefit you. I mean, what kind of confidence would you live with if you knew that God can turn everything bad that happens to you into something that benefits you? Everything terrible that might happen to you in this life, God can make it into something that blesses you and benefits you. I mean, think about it for just a minute. When your earthly father punished you, maybe even spanked you, I mean, think about it. When your earthly father punished you, even spanked you, Did you ever think that he hated you, that he was abandoning you or disowning you? I mean, I never did. I didn't like it very much. But even after he spanked me, all I wanted as a five year old was to run into his arms. Number four, we live in intimacy with him. Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. The word compassion that comes up in verse 13 is a very emotional word. It, it talk, talks about a deep emotional connection. With my, my own children, there was a lot of emotional intimacy that was forged when they were little. All of the rocking them in my lap, carrying them on my shoulders, playing with them in the park, wrestling with them on the floor, did that. And now that they are older, that emotional intimacy is still there. I want to talk to them and I want to hear what's going on in their lives. I mean, they're, they're grown-ups, but we talk to each other every day. Multiple times, sometimes in a day. And, and every time we get off the phone, what we say to each other is, I love you. That's what happens in our relationship with God. Look at, think of Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. Paul is writing to that church. He says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit that God sends in you is testifying that you're a child. A child of God. That we are God's children. That word Abba is the Aramaic word that a child would use when reaching up to their dad. It's it's not daddy, per se, but it's that same kind of intimacy. And God gives you His Spirit to help you pour out your heart to Him and to know that that intimate relationship exists. That's one of the benefits of that blessing of the Spirit inside of you, is to know without a shadow of a doubt, because that Spirit is testifying to your heart that you are a son or a daughter of God. In verse 14 of that psalm, He knows how we're formed, He remembers that we're dust. God knows that we are weak. He understands that. And this is an invitation from God to open up. The Spirit is trying to get us to say, Abba. God is confirming to you, through His Spirit, this intimacy experientially. Not just to be able to parse the language and to know and to be able to quote the psalm that says God is a Father, but to know it deep down in your heart. For the coin to go all the way down into the middle of that machine so that you can access it. The same with this truth to get all the way down inside of you so that it's not just a doctrinal dry truth, but it becomes the basis and the foundation for the relationship each day of your life. God is confirming that through His Spirit. You know, I'm walking down the street one day with Jessica. She's about six years old. I pick her up and I hug her while we're walking and I say, I love you so much. And she hugs me back and she says, I love you too, Daddy. Now, here's the question to ponder Was she more of a daughter to me before or after the hug than she was during that hug? It was the same. But the experience, I mean, she was a daughter both times. She was loved both times. But the experience of being a daughter was not the same. It was different when I hugged her. And the Spirit of God is put inside of us to experience what we know to be a fact of our coming to God and into God, into relationship with God in this, this covenant. I mean, do you pray? Is your prayer life like that? Our Father, which aren't in heaven. And then the last thing, and we'll we'll close right here, is that we live in gratitude because He is our Father. We do not get what we deserve. He does not repay us as our iniquities deserve. So what do we deserve? If you look at verses 15 and 16, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. We were not meant for that. Even though that's a reality, we were not meant for that. We were supposed to last. We were not supposed to be forgotten. But because of sin that entered into the world and because of our lack of trust... And satisfaction in the relationship with God because of our our sin in the garden. We were cast out of that garden and in that intimate relationship with God. And because that's true, we pass like the grass. And yet the point of this psalm is that God is our Father because we do not get what we deserve. And why do we not get what we deserve The only place in the Gospel where Jesus does not pray to God as Father is while He is on the cross and He cries out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? Jesus lost God as a Father so that we could have it forever. He was forgotten so that we would be remembered from everlasting to everlasting. And all our sins, brothers and sisters, All our sins fell into His heart. This is what we say when we behold the love of God as Father. First two verses of the psalm. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul and forget not all His benefits. You know what the psalmist is doing right there? The psalmist is is talking to himself. The writer is talking to himself and he's saying over and over again, look at what God is doing for me. Look at what God is doing for me. Look at what God is doing for me. Look, oh my soul, at all of the benefits that come because of God, my Father. The psalmist is talking to himself, and he's saying, look at what God is doing for me. When's the last time you did that? Where in the quiet of a moment, you said, oh, my soul, with my innermost... What benefits there are in relationship with my Father who art in heaven, whose name is hallowed. To the point that you feel the praise that just wells up inside of you every time you think about Him as your Father. And what that means on those good days and those bad days, those mean days and those days of love, those days of hardship and those days of ease. Those days when you know the full extent of your of your sin and those days when you know the depths of His grace. And you feel that praise to rise up inside of you as you praise His holy name. And you, you commit to never, ever in a million years forgetting all His blessing and benefit to you. Because He chooses to be your Father. Some of our shepherds are going to be down here at the front. And if our church can minister to you tonight in any way, during the singing of this next song, we want you to come down and talk to them. Let's stand and praise God.